Amen. Worship team, thank you for a great job today. We'll tell Brother Tommy you went right on and did a good job without him, all right? Thank you so much. It's good to see all of you who are here today here. I, I love uh, fair weather friends, but uh, I love those who are like ducks that don't mind getting wet either. So I'm glad you're here today. I, I, I told somebody a few minutes ago, I think I'm going to preach the same sermon for the next three Sundays, including today, so that maybe I can cover the whole congregation in that length of time and, and, and repeating it that often. I think if I just change the illustrations and a couple of things, you might not catch on, uh, and, and we'll know, we'll know uh, next Sunday or in the next few weeks. Uh, how many of you remember the old full-service gas station? How many of you remember that? Oh, look at here. There's some old folks here. There are a few folks. You younger folks saying, what in the world are you talking about? There used to be those kind of things. I, I, I even worked at one one time. I remember as a boy, my uncle, my dad's brother, owned a full service, service station. We used to call them that, not gas station, but service station. And... Uh, I would go by with my dad and, and watch my uncle sit in there trying to eat his lunch that his wife, my Aunt Florence, had brought to him, and he'd get about a bite and a half in, and somebody would pull into the gas pump, and he's by himself, and he'd, he'd just throw everything down, go out there, and you know, and you'd, you didn't just go pump the gas. You'd ask them, may I help you? And they'd say, yeah, I won't. Most of the time, folks just got $5 worth, you know, 5 or $6, and that's when gas was about 30 cents a gallon. So. And when a gas war came to town where the service stations got in a gas war where they're lowering their prices, I remember when it dropped to 10 cents a gallon at times. And so it didn't take a whole lot to fill up your car, but then you not only had to put the gas in the tank, fill it up for them or whatever they asked for, you had to raise the hood and check the oil, check the water level to make sure it was all right. And, and sometimes you had to check the the steering fluid, and matter of fact, a lot of cars didn't even have power steering back then, but you had to check it if they did and check the uh, brake fluid and so, so, so forth. And, and, then, and you wash the windshield. Believe it or not, kids, you wash the windshield for you. And, uh, and then they'd ask you if you wanted to step out of your car. If you stepped out of your car, they'd take the vacuum hose off the pole and vacuum the inside of the car for you. And then you'd pay and go your way. Full service station. I, I worked there for some time, and I can remember being in the bay in there, changing somebody's oil, and I'd hear that ding, ding. Somebody pulled in the gas pump. I'd go in there. I'd go into service mode, and I'd do all of those things. I sure was glad when the day was over most days from going through all that time. But I, I remember those, those kinds of stations, but they're only a memory of the past. They're not to be found today. You may find one every once in a while that will come out and pump your gas if you ask them to, but most of the time that never happens. Let me tell you, there was a time for many of us when church was a place we went to serve. A place that we went to serve, but it's become a place where we've come to be served. We went to hear an inspiring message. 
Uh, we want to look forward to our favorite song being sung. Maybe you did today, and you may have had one that your favorite song today. I remember years ago, and still for us, when we can, they had a full choir, and they'd sing a wonderful message and song, and, and uh, our children taught and our faith and courage because of attending church, having been well served, we went home. You know, little's changed in that regard. Things are pretty much still that way. If you were honest, you would have to admit that when you were looking for a church home, what that church had to offer was important to you, and you'd ask questions. You'd look good, and you'd read, and, and if somebody came to visit you or called you on the phone to make contact, you had questions about the church, and maybe if you were looking for a church and found us, you had some questions because we call it church shopping. Folks do church shopping. They have a mental list of what they think the church needs to be for them and for their family. I know we're always being evaluated in terms of what we have to offer and what ministries do we do and how can we be a blessing to that family, to that household. Somewhere, somehow as Christians, we need to find ourselves moving away from service to service once again. Where the church is no longer a place where we go to be served and, and to have our needs met, but a place that we go to join others to serve, to serve others and to serve a community. You know what I mean? James writes in the second chapter of his epistle, in verse 14, what does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith and has not works? And in verse 17, he says, and also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. You see, the Lord intends for us to be a full service as a church involving every party and every person of that party member of the local church this body of believers called the Dalrada Baptist Church he expects us to be a full service station a full service church ministering one to another and ministering to those outside of this local body of believers as God would give us the opportunity. What a beautiful metaphor for us, a full service station. Don't you want to be known as Dalreda, the full service church? The church that ministers, a church that reaches out beyond who we are to the community and even beyond the community through our state and our country and to other countries ministering. In Second Chronicles 16 and 9, the scripture says, 
The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts, whose hearts are fully committed to him. Did God's eyes land on us? Does he see us as a place of service, a place of ministry, a place of outreach, a place where everybody doing their part, using their only their gifts, all of their gifts and their talents that God has blessed us with as individuals to collectively come together as this church, this body of believers, ministering as God would have us to, empowered by the Holy Spirit, directed by the Word of God, and doing the will of God. Does he find us fully committed to him? Melanie and I used to take trips every once in a while with Brother Sid and Pam Nichols. Uh, we've all gotten older and just involved with children and grandchildren, and, and we hadn't done that in a good while, but we, we made several trips together. For several Novembers, we would go up the week of Thanksgiving uh, into Pigeon Forge and, and join them there, and we would uh, do Christmas shopping together and eat out together and just have a good time. And one time, we went over to the coast of Georgia, St. Simon's Island, and we stayed in a house there together and had a good time. But let me tell you something, Pam Nichols loves to put together puzzles, loves to put together puzzles. So we were with them, and Pam, as we had gotten accustomed to, brought out those several boxes of puzzles, and that's what she expected all of us to do for our time of fun, entertainment. Well, I... I have a problem with that in that when I start a project, I can't stop it until it's complete. And when we started putting together that puzzle on this particular occasion, I was determined I was not going to bed until that puzzle was finished. Well, Sid, he, he doesn't last very long. He jumps in there like he's going to be there with you for the duration, but he lasts a little while, and then you find him over there in the easy chair, and about three minutes after his rear end hits the easy chair, his eyelids are closed, and he's snoring. And Melanie, she could not give a hoot about putting a puzzle together. That is not her thing. It is boring. It is absolutely ridiculous. She just doesn't think it's very pretty with all those breaks in it anyway when you get it put together. And what's the, what's the purpose? You're going to put it together, and then what are you going to do? <laughs> just put it all back in the box. So Melanie would sit down for a few minutes and would start working with the puzzle, and then she would slip like she had to run to the restroom, and then back she'd come to the other easy chair with a book, and she'd sit over there and read her book, listen to Sid snore, and Pam and I putting together the puzzle. Well, we worked till about, I guess, about 2 o'clock in the morning putting that puzzle together. By this time, Melanie's asleep. Sid's asleep. Pam's going full force, and I'm just about on my last yawn. When we get to the end, and we realize we have a missing piece of the puzzle. Have you ever done that? Made me mad as fire. 
What do you mean there's a piece missing? Pam, you mean you brought a puzzle for us to put together and there's a piece missing? Look at it. When you look at the puzzle put together, all you see is that hole. You don't even look at the rest of it and what the picture's about. You just see that missing piece of the puzzle. And it bugged me to death. I mean, we looked under the table. We looked under the chairs. We're down on our hands and knees. Melanie and Sid both sound asleep, and we're crawling around looking everywhere, looking under the couch. Move Sid's feet out of the way where we could look under his chair, and we never found that puzzle, and I was just sick. I have not put another puzzle together since, and not going to. Not even going. Don't you even suggest that we put a puzzle together. Because there's just something ugly. Something ugly about a puzzle with a piece missing. Can I tell you there's something ugly about a local church? When members who have been gifted and called to ministry and to be a part of the whole are missing. There's something ugly about the local church to a holy God when he has put us together, and he's put us together because we're to neatly fit together to perform the work and the ministry that he's placed the church to which we belong on this planet that we may function as the church that he is the Lord over. He has a purpose and a plan for Dalreda Baptist Church. Do you believe that? Let me try that again. He has a purpose and a plan for the Dalreda Baptist Church. Do you believe that? Do you understand also that that purpose includes you as a part of this church family? That purpose includes your gift. It includes your talent. It includes your wherewithal. It, it includes everything you are as you fit into the local family of believers called the building of God, the church, the organism of the Lord Jesus Christ where he is the head and we are the body. We're called the body of Christ. We're called the church and we're put together to perform as members of the body. Peter said it this way in 1 Peter. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let each of us, he says, use the gift that you've received to minister to one another and to use that for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ to the will of the Father. We have a way of doing that at Dalreda Baptist Church. It is called ministry teams. We have taken all the ministries as we understand them that are part of the local church. Every area from 
working in the yards to doing minor repairs on the buildings to mission trips to Sunday school to discipleship. We have all of those ministries broken down and your nominating committee just went through the process of trying to get leadership for those ministry teams. We still have four or five ministry teams that we do not have a leader. Do you know how difficult it is on a nominating committee when they're trying to do the work that God has placed them on that committee to do through being selected by the church as the committee on committees has asked them to serve in that area and the church voted for them to serve? And they're called together and they come and meet and they pray and they look through the church roles. They consider the, the job that's to be done. They try to understand talents the best they can without absolutely knowing everything about everybody. They go through that process and they come to the understanding of who they need to ask to fulfill the leadership role in each, each of those ministries. For the first time, for the first time since I can remember, we have about four or five ministry teams still that do not have a leader. But you know, the leader is just to provide some kind of organization to that ministry and to provide a leadership to, to discuss with others and to make a plan as to how they're going to carry out that ministry. And it's to be done by the members of the church as they are equipped by the Holy Spirit of God and they're blessed with the gifts that God's given them to be a ministry to the church and the community and they are to be a part of that, those teams and each of those teams are to function as a ministry to perform that that God has charged us to do and he does not charge to do the church to do anything that he does not equip the church to do. He says that he has placed in the church those that are to be in the different functions, those that are to do the ministry and to lead in the ministry, those that are to follow, those that are to provide the brains and those that are to provide the bronze. He has got them all together in the same church. That is the work of the Holy Spirit of God as he builds the church of the Lord Jesus Christ right here at Dalrada Baptist Church. And this church membership is charged with fulfilling the place of service that he has put us and to do the work of the ministry. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 26. Listen to what God said in his word. For as the body is one, as has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body. So also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not the hand, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, listen to this, 
God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed, there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow a greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to the part which lacks it, that there should be no schisms in the body, no divisions in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice in it. I read of a young couple who got involved in a church where there was a lot of happiness, a lot of shouting, a lot of clapping, not opposed to any of that, a lot of running the aisles. I could even take that. But doing it for Jesus. They were trying to convince grandma that she should attend their church and not her church. You should have seen it, Grandma. You just should have seen it. The Spirit of God was really there. The music was rocking the whole place. It was awesome. Grandma just kept rocking her chair. Didn't say a word. And Grandma said the young woman, you should have heard the preacher. Boy, shouldn't you hear the preacher. He was really with it today. And people were popping up like popcorn, praising the Lord. It was unbelievable, Grandma. And again, Grandma just kept rocking. Grandma finally rose from her chair to speak. She said, honey, let me just put it this way. I don't care how loud they shout. And I don't care how high they jump. It's what they do when they come down that counts. Sometimes we get of the opinion and of the idea that good church is great music. That good church is awesome preaching. That good church is having a good time shouting and clapping and amening. Good church can only be accomplished by what takes place, takes place after the meal. What takes place after the worship time is over. How does the church function day in and day out? How does the church maintain its ministries day in and day out? 
How does the church maintain its testimony in the community week in and week out? How does the church function outside of the time of the preaching and the singing and the clapping and the amening? What does the church look like when the service time is over? Quote, worship service time. What does the church look like in other times of the week? What ministries are being fulfilled on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, except for Wednesday evening? What other ministries are being accomplished by the organism called the body of Christ, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, where it has different members, each member equipped to be a part of that organism, to be a part of that church, to function, to perform the ministries as led and equipped by the Holy Spirit of God. What's going on between Sunday and that church? Let me ask you, where are you plugged in? You see, God's vision for us is to become a full-service station where each one of us are the attendants working together around the pumps and in the service bays to meet the needs of those that are a part of the church and the community and even the world. We meet those needs through dynamic worship exactly, through exciting programs for the children, yes, for youth groups and ministries, yes, for women's ministry, men's ministry, discipleship, Bible study, preschool ministry, and on and on and on. But when is that ministry taking place? It is only when we say amen, only when we shout hallelujah, only when we're singing the songs with the worship leaders. When does ministry take place in your life? With your God-given promise that you're placed into this membership of this church with a gift to serve as a part of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ at Dalray. What are we doing outside of this building? To effectively resource the full service station, God has called us to be, and what he's called us to be, requires the commitment and the resources of every man, woman, youth in our Christian fellowship. Y'all too. Every one of us. No one can exempt themselves from the ministries of the local church. Each one of us must 
by the equipping of the Holy Spirit of God, each one of us must pray about, discover, and then offer to the body of Christ our commitment to serve. That's what it's about. Serving. I don't want you to raise your hand, but you can just nod. How many of you were a part of the ministry of handing out groceries for Christmas dinner on that Sunday afternoon a couple of weeks ago? How many of you that were a part of that left here feeling like, I really ministered today. I was really a part of something that was important. I really feel great about the fact that I fulfilled that place and that position in serving. And then I don't know of many, if any, who were there, who were here serving and working that were not back for communion that Sunday evening Sunday evening of, the, of that time when we gave out those groceries was the largest attendance in worship we've had since COVID began. And we came back to say to God, thank you. Thank you for the sacrifice of your son. Thank you, that's what Christmas is all about. Thank you that you have come, Jesus, and, and that you went to the cross. And this, this bread reminds me of your body that was sacrificed for me on the cross of Calvary. And this cup reminds me of your blood that was spilled and that I have been cleansed by your blood that was sacrificed and poured out on Calvary's mountain. service, ministry, ongoing ministries in the church. I want to be real straight with you. You're looking at me like, you haven't already? Yes, I have. But I want you to know COVID has affected the membership of this church in far worse ways than physically. We've gotten accustomed to doing nothing. We've gotten accustomed of just being here when it's convenient. And we've lost the understanding sacrificial service to the glory of Jesus. There needs to be a difference made. There needs to be changes in the coming days. Everyone needs to plug in And I don't think for one minute that God has given us the need and the call for 
women's ministry and men's ministry, that there is no leadership in the church that he is equipped to lead that ministry or those ministries. But those two ministries are just two that no one has been willing to say, I'll, I'll provide leadership. I'll help build a team. The women's ministry just had a progressive supper. Wonderful, well attended, I understand. But you know who led it? The two staff members. Melissa and Kenny. Melissa Stephanie was at Melissa's house. One of the elements of the meal. Stephanie and Kenny. That's, it is to them that that ministry team is provided some leadership and some direction, and they are a resource for that ministry team to come to them, but not for them to do it. For us to be what God wants us to be in 2022, and we're there, we must understand We've been equipped. I've been equipped to preach. I know that. I've been equipped to be a pastor. I understand that. God has equipped you for a position of service in this church. Will you fulfill it? Will you? Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We realize that our calling when we were saved was to serve you faithfully. Lord, the scripture tells us that you have gifted each one of us to be a part of the local church, that we fit in, that we have a place that will go void of being active unless we fill it. Lord, we're not asking for folks to make up something try to be something they're not. Lord, I'm just praying and asking that you lead the membership of this church to step up to the plate to serve where you've gifted them and not where they just want to be. Lord, provide what we have that we may be strong in the days ahead. I ask you, trust me, Believe in Jesus' name.